to another episode of Fire Your Boss. I'm Kiko Suarez, and I'm here with my co-host, Jim Vitu. Jim, how are you doing? Oh, incredible, Kiko. Thank you so much, man. I'm super excited. That's awesome. I think that you have a guest that you want to introduce. Absolutely. Uh, a great friend of mine, Jay Cordova. Uh, Jay and I met through just business channels many years ago, and uh, just one of the most genuine uh, family-oriented guys that I've known. He's uh, one of the smartest people uh, that I've ever met, to be honest with you. Met super successful in business, and in addition, that has an amazing personal story. And he and I have become really good friends. And uh, and he was one of the guys that I wanted to get on this podcast because I think he has a lot of value. He's got a great story and a story of overcoming. And also, uh, you know, he consults folks on the business side of things. So I think there's a lot of value that he can bring to folks that uh, have a desire to, to leave the corporate world and fire their boss one day. So welcome, Jay. Well, thank you. It's fantastic being here. I'm really uh, just thankful for the opportunity to even tell a little bit about my story and, and, and inspire others to fire their boss. Yeah, our, our goal is... Um, to teach people the fundamentals on how to prepare, but also put enough people like so many people in front of our audience that have done there, been there, done it, made it happen. Uh, and, and I remember one time a, a mentor of mine, when he was trying to push me to get my income to six figures, he was like, how many people do I need to parade in front of you that make six figures until you'll finally believe that you can do it? Right. And that was kind of like my mindset with the podcast. How many business owners, how many people from all walks of life, different circumstances, different parts of the world that have come to America or got started here and have actually made it happen? Uh, how many folks do we have to parade in front of you in order for you to believe that you can make it happen, too? Right. And so I think you're a, a great example of that. So, um you know, with that being said, man, just tell us a little bit about your background and your story. I think you have an amazing story. There's a long version, a short version. It's whatever you're comfortable with. But uh, yeah, it's take it away, Jay. And just give us a little, uh, give the audience a little bit of background about you. Jim, th thank you. Um, I, I would say Jay Cordova, the Jay Cordova you see today is not the Jay Cordova that has always existed. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a product of the process. Um, living my life, developing myself through the help of other senior leaders. A uh, phrase that we use is like iron sharpens iron. Those leaders have just demonstrated a tremendous amount of grace and intense belief, immense belief really in me with with um, just a, a positioning to trial and error and and make my way the next the next level. So as a result, I've just made it my my personal mission to maintain a learning oriented lifestyle and surround mm. myself with a community of leaders and learners that will also continue to shape, refine, you know, build up my character, build up my integrity, build up my competence. And, and that's why I feel so called to support the development of those underrepresented communities, underrepresented minorities that are building their American dream or, or whatever their dream might be. And I, I just believe that we're, we're living in an era that gives a unique and invaluable perspective that it is difficult to replicate in, in any other part of the, of the globe. And so as a result of right. that, um, we were just given opportunities. I've been given an opportunity to uh, build something that's beautiful, fire my boss, uh, marry my boss, 
and and I think that that all that all is part of you know my narrative as a as an immigrant, uh, first generation immigrant. Right, I was born in Mexico and developed uh, in the trenches of a family business and entrepreneurial uh, kind of a family, and started just learning and applying and calibrating. Nobody figures it out right away. You don't wake up and just realize I've made it. Uh, you're just sure. working towards uh, making it. So I'd love to just walk through any anything that uh, you guys want to ask me about that process for me as a as a lifestyle of learning and a lifestyle of innovation. I no longer believe that um, a select group of premium thinkers live only in Silicon Valley. I, I believe that we're all forced to adjust to the changes that are thrusted upon us and these shifts that happen in our life and in our world. And there is no shortage of ideas. There is no uh, lack of muscles that should be flexed. Uh, we should be able to learn from folks that are doing that innovative work and then applying that innovative work through a, through a set of tried and true practices for our own ideation, brainstorming, alignment, refinement, all of that process. So, um, yeah, that's why I love having you in my inner mm -hmm. circle, man, because every time that I think that I've made it, Jay is going a hundred miles an hour. He's a lifelong learner. Every time he gets to the next level, he's like the ultimate gamer in life. Like every time he gets to the next level where he could celebrate, he takes a breath, maybe takes a short trip with his family or something. And then he's like on to the next goal. And so every time that I think like I've made it, if I feel like I'm in a little lull or whatever, I'll be like, Hey dude, I know you're busy, but you got to eat. When can I buy you breakfast? And then I get like 15 minutes with him. <clears throat> and it's like um, hanging out with the energizer bunny. And I'm like, why, why am I comfortable? This guy's not even comfortable and he's <laughs> kicking butt and taking names. And so it's, I'd really appreciate your, I'm, I'm, you know, lifters need lifters. So I try to be that into your life and you're definitely sure. that in my life. And um, every time that I think I've made it to the next level, I meet with Jane and I'm like, I feel like I've uh, stopped. I feel like I'm on the escalator, right? You, you know, the people that are, when you were little kids, you try to run up the down escalator, right? Like that's Jay, right? I'm I'm like, I get halfway up the elevator, I get a little tired and I stop and then I start going back down and I'm like, ah, and Jay's constantly going, 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 and I love it, man. And he's also a great family man as well. So you talked about firing your boss and then marrying your boss. So tell tell us a little bit about your personal story on that side of things, because uh, your wife Kaylin is amazing too, super smart. Oh, I would say the the better the better more than half of of our of our business and of our practices is is really Kaylin. Um, she takes everything that I create and think up and then really puts um, structure and formation to, to all of that. And, and I think people often think that um, there is a, there's an imbalance in, in, in the business. Really the, the imbalance would be that uh, Kaylin just really lifts up what we're doing and, and reminds me that while people care about the experiences and trauma, maybe even that you've had as a business owner, those things mm -hmm. have now shaped our perspective of the business or our perspective of who we're working alongside of as partners. And so while we care about what you're prepared to do next, I'm more interested in the story that we tell to get in front of those ideal customers and navigating how those services uh, align. 
we, we often say it's more critical that we understand that sales should be telling the narrative along with marketing and that you that the, the, the customer gets the same experience that the salesman gave them, right? And so that there's not a, a switch in that in that in that side of things. So we run an um, we run an organizational development marketing firm. It, it 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 is a yin and a yang. If you think about how to get in front of your customers, um, we flip it uh, and not only do the visibility, the search engine marketing, the technological uh, sides of the business, but we also pair it with making sure that your organization actually delivers the experience that we're marketing to that uh, customer and, mm -hmm. and, and really come in as a, as a lateral partner to the C-suite. It's been an interesting journey doing, uh, during this process, but we just, we find really great success in taking out all the fluff and getting down to the core. What is it that you do and how do you do it with excellence and then with predictability around all of that? So Kaylin's really yeah. good powerhouse behind asking the great questions right you're just the talking piece she's the she's the structure uh she, i love i love the name of your company man so tell us a little bit about the purple pineapple and like how you came up with the branding because i think even small business owners the branding side of things is super important as well and, and if you're starting from scratch like you know did that just come from your heart is there meaning behind that yeah, there's there's absolutely meaning, and and I think uh, you're guiding us through the process of everything that that purple pineapple does comes with intentionality, uh, even down to the name of the brand. Uh, pineapple we selected as our iconic uh, lead forward one because it's a it's a fruit that grows with a lot of intentionality. Pineapple farms only grow a one to one, so a leader grows another leader on a on from and it has to happen with the crown or the head so so if you know the the agricultural process is the soil the roots the uh, entire environment has to be set right you cut the crown off the head of the pineapple you place it down into the ground and it grows from the ground up in a mm -hmm. uh, in, in in that one-to-one -one fashion so the the pineapple that has this tough thick outer shell is sweet and delicate and tropical and relaxing and represents um, a, a level of sophistication and um, just delicacy, I would say, in right. its, at its core. And then the purple part of it that comes together is is two parts. Number one, there's no vowels in purple because we have to see between the lines and we have to read what's not there. So the intentionality mm. behind recognizing that what you see is not always what you get and how do we break past that with a fresh set of eyes. And and purple is the fusion of two colors, red and blue. So we bring we bring a cool touch, but a but but we also bring a fiery hot red passion to uh, your business, to your goals, to your development, to your acumen, to your network, to your strategic uh, initiatives, to all of the pieces that define who your organization is as much as what it does. And uh, bringing those two together is is a is a process of blending. It's not a one to one like the pineapple growth to one to one. It is the blending of the two colors and polarizations, right? We live in a country that's divided, red and blue. And so in our world, right. we have to bring both of those places together and recognize if we don't bring some of those things together, somebody's going to be at a loss. And we want you as a business owner to be at the gaining side of that. Super intentional, man. I should have sat down with you before I named my company the Batu Group. That's pretty boring, dude. You have a way better story. <laughs> 
But there was a reason because, right, if I said, I said, like, everybody screwed up my last name as a kid and it really bothered me. And they could not, five letters, but they could not pronounce my last name. So at some point, I'm like, I want a million people to know how to pronounce my last name. So I'm like, yeah. the purpose of my company, even like my last name, is I'll, I'll be forced to uh, ex- tell people what my last name is. And hopefully a bunch of people will know it. So there is a purpose behind it. It's not as cool as Purple Pineapple, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, I appreciate uh, it. Jay, I have a question for you. If um, you, you talk a lot about your clients being businesses, um, what would you tell someone that is considering starting a business but has a job? What are the things that they have to just consider before they jump ship? Yeah, I, I would say there's, there's um, and, and we work a lot with folks that are moonlighters, right? We work with folks that, uh, at least in my past, before we went full-time into this purple pineapple business, um, I worked with 150 companies, company founders that incubated mm. under one space and and decided either we're going to pull the trigger and fire my boss and become my own boss, or I'm going to uh, navigate this uh, serve two masters space. By the way, the serve two masters never worked. Uh, spoiler alert, you, you have to def- define precisely the process and then follow the progress alongside of that. Uh, so I tell people, uh, number one, um, what does the team around you look like? Because we want to define the difference between ca- capability and capacity, right? It might be a Venn diagram where capability and capacity come in together, but you have to define when you're going to say no and say no more often than you say yes, because capacity is more important than capability. Think about that for one second. You might be capable of doing a lot of things, but if you're doing a lot of things, the uh, the capacity that you have to do those things might not be done with the excellence that you need. And so what does the number one, what does a team around you look like? Number two, describe the company in one sentence. You have to be able to do it. Gone are the elevator speeches. Gone are 30 seconds. You have less than three seconds to get somebody's attention before they move on. We live in a, in a world of demand. And so you need to be able to describe that in one sentence, clear, concise. I do what? how and with what kind of predictability, period. Those are the three elements of that. Uh, Number three, what does the entire total addressable market look like? Is the opportunity big or is the opportunity small? I'm not saying that the small is bad. That means it's a niche space. So if you, the more the niche, the space uh, that you're in, the more intentionality you're gonna have to bring in defining your ideal customer profile base. The broader it is, the more rounded you're able to get around all of those pieces. So you have to understand what is that total addressable market? Uh, n- n- number four, how will you make money? Who pays? What are the margins around all of that? Uh, we- we've worked with folks that spend $10 to make $1. It just doesn't work that way. So if you don't recognize how you make money, who's going to pay you and how the margins are set up, you're just going to set up for failure. Number five, are you going to be geographically based into one location or are you going to be expanding into multiple areas? I always tell people, start with your backyard. Start with who you know and how you can help the people that are the closest to you and then expand out. Never see companies that go global and make it right away. It just is, it's, it's the same capacity and capability imbalance in all of that. 
How big is the team going to be? Are you working with your spouse? Are you working with trusted friends? I, I always have a cautionary tale around close friends. Close friends doing work together is almost as bad as a divorce. You know, and I've gone through a divorce. I know the difference, you know, the difficulties and the distraction that those kinds of things bring. So who is in your team? Who is lifting up that ladder alongside of you? I'd also ask, what is the timing? Are you considering your family? Are you considering the uh, time that you're doing it between hours, between things, the distractions of all of, all of that? Um, I'd ask about traction. What kind of metrics do you have in place so that you can demonstrate what you've achieved? A good story has to be able to define what we've done, how we're doing it, and why it's going to matter for the buyer, for the purchaser on that other side of it. So if, if you don't build out those case studies, it's going to be very difficult to actually advance with those missional goals for your organization. Fundraising. How are you going to be working through that? Are you self-funding it? Are you taking out small business loans? Are you having to spend $10 to make $1? And when does that threshold flip um, that perspective? What's the history of all that? Have you been able to raise before? How much? When? What does that all look like? Is it Again, does it start with your family and expand out into those various circles? Um, the last piece really is around referral bases and fit. What makes you in particular valuable in the industry that you're wanting to find that fit in and how do those referrals fit into that whole model? Vitu, you already know that the warm lead is the most important lead and that referral lead is going to be, um, you know, your character comes forward in, in everything. How you do anything is how you do everything. And so as much as you um, think that you can get those referrals, I'd start navigating the process of, who is in my corner? What is that strategic network that I can start leaning into? And who can I yeah. give away before I, you know, get away into their door? Yeah, that's really good. I mean, especially the part about starting with your warm market and the people around you. I mean, I've experienced folks in my business and outside my business, and they ask the question like, well, do I have to talk to the people I know? I'm like, what? How yes. on a scale of one to ten, how convicted are you that what you do is Absolutely. a good thing? Like if you're unwilling to talk to the people you know, either they're like the most negative people in the world and maybe you should disassociate from them if you're trying to start up something, or but like what did they do to you to make you hate them so much? Like why wouldn't you share your dream with your inner circle? Because those if you do it well and if you have good character those are going to be the people that can open a ton of doors. And I just say, hey, if you're starting a restaurant, if you had a Jay and Kiko and I are starting, I mean, it's going to be the baddest sports bar that Carmel has ever known. And we're going through, obviously, we have to have a location, right? We have to have a team or a staff, employees, whatever you call it, right? We got to have licenses and we got to have customers, right? And so we do our grand opening and all of us invite everybody we know to the grand opening of our restaurant. But if your cousin was like, I don't like chicken wings or I don't, we're open a steak restaurant. Like I'm a vegan. We would say, well, come on down anyway, man. Well, I'll have something for you. You can have a salad. I just want you to, it's not really important if you like steak or not. I just want you to see the restaurant, get a feel for it. If you like it, then obviously the purpose is you can, if you overhear somebody on Valentine's Day or their anniversary said, hey, you know, my cousin Jay has 
uh, steakhouse you should take your date to. It's just getting the word out and talking to people in your corner of the world. And I, I find some people when they launch their business, that's the people they shy away from the most. It doesn't make, it never made any sense to me. Let me, do, let me put it this way. If a 12 year old girl can call her friends and friends, families to sell Girl Scout cookies, you can pick up the phone and dial for dollars. You tell me that's... that a 12 year old Girl Scout has more business savvy around a quick sale and about the trusted advisor process than a 30, 40, 50 year old uh, guy who is too afraid to pick up their phone and say, hey, I'm starting this business and I need your help. Can you please review? Can you please X? What's the, what's the ask here? 12 year old right. girl call all her friends and all her friends' families and say, we gotta get this trip going and I need a raise. Can you buy these cookies? Period. So yeah. break that mold and think yeah. and think from a logical perspective. So the model that that I that I usually tell folks is number one, head. Does it make logical and sensible sense? Right? Is this logical and sensible? What do we need my audience to know, understand, and apply through what I'm selling? Two, heart. Does this is this emotionally engaging? What emotion, what desire, and what value do I do I want to instill through the product that I'm selling or the service that I'm selling? And then three, hands, head, heart, hands. Does this make, is this tangible? Is this practical? What behaviors, what habits, what actions are we trying to produce through all of this? You think about it from the Girl Scout side of things, head, yeah. logical. I need X to accomplish Y, right? I need to sell 25 you know, boxes so that I can unlock the trip that I, that, that we need heart, yeah. the heart moves, right? The heart sells you buy. Nobody likes to be sold. Everybody likes to buy. Think about that for a second. Nobody likes to be sold to everyone loves to buy. So you're buying from a cute, uh, you know, 12 year old girl who is tugging on your heart and saying, we're trying to accomplish these kinds of things and move down this perspective uh, along the lines. And then tangible, you get something out of it, right? What am I getting? I'm touching the cookie and I'm, I'm bringing them home. I'm a hero to my household because I've got uh, the uh, thin mints or, or whatever that perspective is. You got to bring right. it down to a level that people understand from a head, a heart and the hands perspective. Okay. That's so good, man. Um, and the thing is like most 12 year olds, are not afraid of the word no yet, but most adults nope. at some point in time get super scared. And the scariest thing possible for most people is to get a no from somebody you love. <laughs> it's the scariest thing, but it's gotta be done, right? So yeah. Jay, it, it, one one more question on this. You, you were talking, and you guys were talking about selling, right? And uh, before you said marketing and sales have to go hand in hand. But I'm going to ask you a question that, that to me, it's, it's always been interesting, right? The 12-year-old the doesn't know a lot about marketing or sales, but she does it. And you explain how she does it. Meanwhile, in your original questions, you were talking about Sam and, and talking about other concepts. So what, is there a journey, in your opinion, for entrepreneurs in terms of understanding the world of business and Absolutely. Should it be scary? Should not be scary? No, it, it shouldn't be scary. And I'll tell you why. The more 
more you understand about what your passion is, the better you can articulate why you're doing it. And, and it does take a, a deep dive into who you are and how you are functioning. Mm. I'll, I'll do it from, I'll give you this perspective. It's a framework that is, is very simple and it guides us as we reflect in the effectiveness of what we're trying to accomplish. Number one, we describe what we're selling or what our business is by saying, what? What do we observe? What is my expectation out of this? And what do we find surprising in the larger scope of it all, right? Second, from there, from there, we analyze our business by saying, okay, now we've said what we observe. Then we say, so what? It's what, so what? So what? So why does this matter? What do we learn about this? Why does this matter to you? And why does this matter to us? What impact could this possibly have? And then the third what is now what? What, so what, and now what? Now what happens? Now, how do we apply what we've learned from financial freedom to sales and marketing to whatever Girl Scout cookies? What is it? So what? And now what? How will this part of our business or how is what we're selling to you move into a greater impact, move you forward or whatever? If you can't answer the questions of what, so what, and now what, man, you're going to have a hard time getting in front of any investors, getting in front of any potential customers, getting in front of anyone to be able to describe with conviction why this yeah, matters. that's so good. That's so good. Three really simple steps, questions to answer. So awesome. Yeah, because the, the thing that, that, I'm, that I continue to be curious when we talk to entrepreneurs is, you know, the basics, right? Mm -hmm. Where do I start? So what you're saying is you provide frameworks that are easily understandable <laughs> so you can interact with this entrepreneur, help them think about their own business, and then continue in that journey of, you know, so so now what? Absolutely, Absolutely Dr. Suarez. And and I think you're as you uncover more of these folks that are wanting to move into entrepreneurship, you pro you probably realize that everyone wants to get to mastery, right? It, that's 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 what we're all trying to get to is how do I become the master that somebody comes to in that perspective? And and for me, what I, when we when we find those with our customers, we ask them uh, multiple questions. Number one, you have to particularize, particularize that area of passion. That first step into mastery is to connect with the passion that then sparks curiosity to others. Right? You have to think about it into the formative years. What were you passionate about when you were younger? What did you want to accomplish? And how do you connect with those areas of passion again? So particularize that area of passion too. Then we want to ascertain how we best learn. For many, reading is a great way of learning. Auditory is a great way of learning. But for those like me, I have to get a hands-on approach. I have to think about those past mm -hmm. experiences. Take a journal page and break it into two columns and say, what was the good thing? What was the bad things? How do I apply the, 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 the good to the good and the bad out uh, towards the trash, right? Mm -hmm. We then have to also teach others how we do it. You're never going to be a leader unless you're leading others, period, right? There has to be somebody to follow you. And if you're going to be a true entrepreneur, you have to bring others along with you. Otherwise, you're going to be into this solopreneur world and you're always working on a one-to-one. -one. If you want to have lasting ripple effect, you have to teach others to do what you do. And that means 
strip aside all the things that you think are your intellectual property and start moving it towards. Otherwise, why would I be on a call like this telling you what, what we do? We, if we don't teach others how to do it, we will never be the masters in doing it. And then lastly, honor the process. Mastery does not happen overnight. It requires immersion, requires time, requires intentionality. We have to carve out blocks of time. And, and those are critical pieces for an entrepreneur to understand. If you're ready to fire your boss, you have to get very particular. You have to get very intentional. And then you have to honor the process of, of what to do next. So one foot in front of the other. So good. Back to a thing that you mentioned, Jay, is I remember hearing from a family member. I remember hearing this multiple times when that person was going from like, I recognized they were a solopreneur and they were getting tired. And I was like, why don't you just hire more people? And their response was, well, then I would just be training my own competition. So I'm sure you've heard that mindset in business before. Like how does someone maybe get over that fear or that you're talking about everything about team and, and growing one-to-one and all of these things, which are, amazing and so much I appreciate, but, but the mindset in some particular cases is, you know, obviously they're not going to break free if they're a solopreneur, they're, they're self-employed. They're not really a true business owner, right? What would you guide somebody on that to kind of have that level of faith or fear or overcome that of taking their knowledge and information and passing along to somebody so they can get it moving without them? Let me ask you this. Um, if the fear is that you train somebody and they leave, then what if you don't train somebody and they stay? Mm. Think about that for a second, right? right? If if I have an employee or somebody that I'm working alongside of and with, and I don't teach them the way that my business operates and how I want to move forward, then you will always be stuck at the capacity level. We're trying to build capability, but getting stuck into underdeveloping individuals is always going to be your capacity, you know, bottleneck, threshold. Mm -hmm. You hit a ceiling, you can't move forward. You can't replicate without somebody in that process. And so um, it, it just becomes very difficult to move forward. You need to establish observation skills, questioning skills, connecting skills, experimenting skills, all of those kinds of things so that so that you're able to move forward. Right. So, I mean, there is a risk there, but the reality is if you want to get to a point where your business runs without you, you have to confront the risk and you have to put a system in place to train others. Absolutely. That's great. What What are the excuses that you think people use in their heads? not to take the step what what have you heard people saying i can't do this i can't do that i, I think that it, it typically comes from moving from motion to action right the 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 difficulty of feeling like you're just going through the motions but you're not actually taking action on what on what you're doing um, innovators are going to prioritize action steps over motion steps motion tasks are things that we do that we're busy and that we never actually produce an outcome in and of itself, right? There's, it's, it, it's, it's, a, 
paperwork, busy work, things like that. Action steps are going to create a clear binary outcome of a yes or a no, a complete or an incomplete. And then outlining that um, upcoming series of motion tasks are going to be then what lead you to the action tasks. Motion is the thinking or the directional uh, visionary kinds of work. You've, you've met them before, entrepreneurs that are that live in the 100,000 foot, always have this next idea and never commit to, to starting the car. You're not going to learn to drive just by thinking about driving. And right. do you think that that is uh, sometimes paralyzing for people that, that they don't take that action step? Uh, absolutely. I think that um, you cannot leave, or you cannot put off until tomorrow what you think you can accomplish today. And so typically in our coaching process, we'll tell folks, all right, this sounds great. What can we do right now? Forget about in a week, forget about the business plan. What are you going to do today to impact the direction that you're going towards, right? One foot in front of the other. And I think there's always going to be excuses. Well, it's not time. My family, my, uh, my, my finances aren't right. Uh, it's this concept of uh, you clean the house before the cleaners get here. You ever heard mm -hmm. that, right? Yes. <laughs> well, I, I can't call the cleaners to come and clean because uh, it's going to be embarrassing. Well, you know what? The reality is if you want to be an entrepreneur, you're going to go through embarrassments. And, and that good. is fascinating because you're basically asking people to confront some of the fears that Jim was talking about before. Um, but the... My assumption is you have been successful helping people understand that you can help them through that process. I think um, folks are only going to be helped if they want to be helped, right? And 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 it takes, uh, my wife loves to say this, what's inspected is respected, right? What is inspected is respected. How do I inspect? Well, I have to track my time, right? I have to try to complete a project, see how long it took and how much time then it actually took by by timing that task. Then two, I have to assess my impact. How have I, what I've learned will evaluate then how my current projects affect future timelines. If I think I can do something in 12 hours, what if I tried it in 10 hours and then I failed and I have to go back to my 12 hours and I have to run multiple small experiments to be able to refine that process a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. From there, you have to categorize all those projects into motion tasks and action tasks, right? Thinking tasks versus doing tasks, head versus hands in that whole process. Mm -hmm. The heart's always there. The intention's always there, but how long does it take in here to do it versus how long does it take on here to do it? Whether it's mowing a lawn to building a program, right? Whatever, whatever it is. I like to say we have to treat time like it's money. You have to put time into this bucket of budgets and, and treat it like you have to divide those hours and you are taking resources away from something versus or in complement to giving it to something uh, and, and then continuously improve your aim. Vitu and I both like to golf. We like to noodle around chasing the little white ball. If you are always going to be aimed for perfection, then sometimes you might hit it, right? That, that's the process. And reasonable goals have to be met with a reasonable, concentrated effort. Are you willing to fill the jars? Are you willing to 
walk down, uh, walk the walk? Are you willing to create contingency plans? And when I say contingency plans are, okay, it didn't work this way. What if I make a calibration and try it again? I'm not saying do the same thing over and over and over and expect different results. I'm saying make a calibration and adjust what you're asking for. Very little often goes according to plan. Very little goes according to plan. You have to think about your best case scenario, your worst case scenario, and what are the con considerable outcomes that cover both of those bases. And obviously schedule, schedule your protected time. Uh, my Tuesdays and Thursdays are blocked out. Nobody can get on my calendar. That is my sacred time. It means production. It means heads down. It means no sales. It means no ideation. It means time on task. Motion, task-oriented, uh, not motion-oriented tasks. Yeah, speak to that same schedule with building in family time and your personal time as well. Because, Again. you know, anybody can get married. The key is stay married, right? So as you're building a business... My coach always said every six weeks you have to put in your calendar a date with your spouse or whatever so you don't just go all in in your business and get too far out of balance. So how do you handle that? I love saying this. Uh, preparation becomes a form of procrastination, right? If you're always planning ahead but not actually doing the thing, you're actually just procrastinating. So Stop planning and start going out for a walk with your with your wife or your family. Stop planning that perfect date night and just say, "Hey, let's go down to the to the corner and get a beer together and talk through our deal." Stop over strategizing and start acting <laughs> down that process because again, yeah. preparation is a a secret form of procrastination. Well, I'm thinking mm -hmm. about it. Well, I'm prepping on it, and and, and I'm a culprit of doing this, right? We're a, we're in the business of of strategy, but at some point, uh, the culture is going to eat strategy for breakfast, and you've created a culture of not doing rather than a culture of task oriented uh, motions, and 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 it, it just takes it takes the intentionality, and that's why that's why we firm believers that intent doesn't um, trump intentionality. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the golf analogy, like really what I'm hearing you say is take action, like taking action beats everything else. Now you don't, you want, you want to be strategic about that and be forward thinking, right? You don't want to just be a wild person running around that doesn't do you any good in the business world. But I think when you and I are playing golf, if I'm sitting there over the ball thinking, I've got to hit this perfect. If I'm taking too much time, too much thought, like I got to hit this. And there's that, that, that tension and that, uh, like anxiety about not hitting the ball perfectly. The, the odds of me hitting the ball perfectly is almost nil, but the times where I'm playing the best is when you and I are having a conversation, we're not even thinking about golf and we're talking about our wives or our kids or, what's happening in business and you just like get up and whack the ball and somehow it magically goes straight down the fairway. Right. I think sometimes in business, it's the same thing. Yes. You have to put some thought in up front, but then just take action and go with your gut. And like you're talking about, let your heart lead with the heart. Jim, I, I think we all suffer from mm -hmm. negative bias, right? We, we have this perspective that, um, 
affects more significantly our impact when we have negative experiences than we have the positive experiences in the yeah. in the in the Gottman in the Gottman world right the Gottman world would say you have to have eight positive deposits to undo a negative deposit yes think about how how much you have to think positive and how much negative thoughts become self-fulfilling prophecies when you let that runaway train ultimately derail your success. And so for, for any entrepreneur that says, I, I'm ready to take the next steps, you you need to prepare for what that looks like. You need to prepare that um, what are the what are the things that are going to be true, that are going to be noble, that are going to be just, that are going to be pure, that are going to be lovely, that are going to be building good rapport inside of a and, and live for those moments. They're called microtransactions that lead to macro outcomes. And those microtransactions have to be put into a deposit inside your heart, inside your pocket. However, you need to be constant reminders. Carry carry those like coins in your pocket that you can chip in, de- deposit into uh, the moment because you're going to have negative experiences. Right. Those thoughts are going to take control of you. Unsuccessful past, unsuccessful uh, movement, unsuccessful you know relationships, all of that. But if I've learned anything is you have to move past that experience and apply it to the future innovation. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to call myself a, you know, I'd say, well, man, I'm just a perfectionist, Kiko. I mean, I just, I'm just trying to get this right. Really, that was a, me and my pride justifying why I wasn't taking action. And it was really all based around the fear of the word no. Because I, ha- yeah. I don't I had an unhealthy fear of that. And I don't even know why. It doesn't even make any sense, right? Most, like if you tell me no directly, if you say you can't, Jim, I don't know if I believe that you can do that. There's something in me that snaps and I will 100% do it just to spite you. There's some something sick about me, right? But then there's like this mysterious ghost no that hasn't even happened yet that I have more fear of the possibility that somebody says no and rejects my idea, thought, sale, whatever you want to call it, right? But if you told me no to my face, like, dude, you're not good enough. I don't even know if you can do that. I'd be like, oh, watch me, buddy. But then this little mystery, fearful, like, it's not even real. It hasn't even happened yet. But in my mind, it could happen. And that's prevented me so many times from taking action. You know, it's really, it doesn't make any sense. It sounds like I'm mentally insane, but I think a lot of people struggle with the same thing. The the fear of the no is actually worse than the no. Yeah. Fear of rejection is definitely up on the top of, <laughs> of many. And I would say, I would agree with both of you. When I talk to people that encounter failure or obstacles, what I noticed is that the, the skill that is missing is Recovery, right? Like if you have an injury, mm. and I call them soul injuries or, or spirit injuries, mm. um, you have to learn how to recover from injury. Otherwise, you can't keep doing your sport. Mm. So this is the same. You have to learn how to recover from soul injuries and, and move on. So, you know, I couldn't agree more with you guys. But Jay, so I, I'm, I'm curious to know if, if you have stories of success that resonated with you. I mean, people that you say, Man, I remember that particular client. It was tell us a story or, or two of people that you say, I I can't I can't stop thinking how amazing this transformation was. 
Yeah, mm. I, I'll I'll give you a couple of stories, and I do have a formula around getting those negative thoughts or getting past those negative thoughts. Um, I, I think you know we use we use a, quite a bit of psychology in our in our business and in the process. Right. Um, the the negativity bias counter is is uh, is referred to as an automatic negative thought, an ant, right? Automatic mm. negative thought. In my perspective, one of the stupidest animals that exists are ant eaters, but it's one of the animals that I covet and, and, and like almost envy the way they can do that. Right. They could take something that looks disgusting and make an appetite out of it and, and, and move from that. If we yeah. become ant eaters, if we eat those automatic negative thoughts, um, and, and, and spit them out into balancing those positive thoughts, we, we, we have to have a formula for that. My wife does this uh, with our girls, um, and they're just truth statements. She says, I'm kind, I'm smart, I'm loving, and I'm beautiful. And then she repeats those to them, right? And she says to them, say it with me. I'm kind, I'm smart, I'm loving, I'm beautiful. I'm kind, I'm smart, I'm loving, I'm beautiful. So that when they have all these thoughts of, man, I'm not kind, or man, I'm not beautiful, or man, I'm not loving, or all these things, the repetitive muscle memory around the counter truths, right? The counter thoughts become the reality of what it is for you. And you can, and you can set those aside and eat that um, ant, right? Eat that automatic and dump it and dump it out. As it relates to, um, as it relates to a story. um, Yeah. I I had a, I had a customer who historically was a a nonprofit that operated as a for-profit um, organization, and they were they were doing technology support for small to medium sized nonprofit organizations, um, and they 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 really had a, a thought process that was again uh, s- small in impact but big in um, intentionality. And we we try to bring the balance again between capacity and capability. And so we say we don't have to have a little bit of impact. And a lot of intentionality. We want to bring a lot of intentionality and a lot of impact, and bring those two together. So the shift that we made in that organization is: how do we apply systematic thinking and intent and intentionality into the road mapping that they did? They were historically a break fix technology organization. They got paid time and material, and we flipped it into a balanced shift. So uh, what the process was is we're not going to do month-to-month contracts. We're going to do three-year contracts. We have to define our ideal customer profile. They have to have two things, willingness and ability. You have to be willing to give us your strategic roadmap and carry it out, and you need Mm. to be able to pay for it. If Mm. If you don't have both of those, we're out. We're going to move into another direction. The result demonstrated uh, a flip of the business, right? Now we created something called MER, monthly reoccurring revenue. Monthly reoccurring revenue moved into annual reoccurring revenue. Annual reoccurring revenue is actually something that we can budget with and budget for and plan for and and bring intentionality into a flip of a switch for that with that business and that company. They were able to expand into other areas. They were able to hire the right talent so that they had the appropriate capacity so that they could take on more uh, business and better business and more refined business. And then I'll tell you a shift that we made in our own business. Um, We do uh, 
along with business development, revenue opportunities, kinds of work, we do development. Uh, and we do something very innovative in the world of web design. We will give you a premium website that is $25,000 plus in um, functionality and design and hand code and boutique kinds of work. But we, we break out the payments over 12 months and call it a website as a service model. Nobody mm. else is doing something like that where they say you're going to have in, in 90 days a premium tool that lo- that allows you to have e-commerce, have re-commerce, have uh, the uh, SEO and the visibility and all the components that you need for your business to actually jump and leap forward. But we're going to yeah. let you finance it over 12 months so that every single month you're allowed to essentially on a credit system keep unlocking more pieces of it mm. because you don't have to take the... You don't have to take all the bites at once. You just have to keep biting. That's so good. That's so good. Love it. So you guys, we're going to be wrapping up um, soon. So mm. I always ask our guests if they have, you know, some pearls of wisdom that they, they keep in their back pocket somewhere that they can share with all these entrepreneurs, people that really want to start. Um, you mentioned before, you know, this is a place, uh, we live in a country that has the mm-hmm. structure to allow entrepreneurship to flourish. So what would you, what would you tell people in, in that regard? Man, I, I bet, I bet you wouldn't expect me to have an acronym or a, uh, or a formula for something like that. But here's, here's what I would say to anybody that asked me that question in said, general. By, by the way, that all comes, I, I, I want to take credit for this because it all comes from hanging out with me because he's going to take these giant concepts and break them down into elementary kind of <laughs> understanding for me to understand. So I think I should take some credit for his effective communication. He's like, well, Jim, let me break it down to you like a, a seven-year-old and give you an analogy and a, an acronym. I'm like, thanks. Thanks, Uncle Jay. <laughs> That's so funny. That's good. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I think you've got me pegged. Um, <laughs> one, I would say gratitude comes first, right? If we understand where we came from, then we understand how we got there. It's it's critical that we understand the process of arriving at a destination and the luminal process into getting there, right? So gratitude always is going to rain an attention from the focus from a negative to a positive. Gratitude is a choice, right? Resentment on the opposite side is a reflex. So how do we mitigate resentment and demonstrate uh, gratitude and and that and that and that gratitude becomes that catalyst for happiness because resentment is going to be a, a corrosive to our soul and how we cultivate that seed for me I I, I, I use the acronym seed nope, seed s the first s is for sort we have to sort out our wants from our needs think about it from a personal side and from a business side the attitude shifts from that positive and negative and we have to put those into the buckets and 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 sort all of those out. Two, mm. we need to embark on this process of of gratitude. It's a five day challenge. Take and post uh, pictures of what you're doing. Put them um, all over your house. Demonstrate the, the 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 necessity of this practice through moments and objects and people that we might otherwise miss in in that space. It's the same like head trash dumping kinds of things. The uh, second E is elaborate on the blessings that we have in a journal. If you're not 
keeping track of what you're doing, then you can't look back. Again, what's inspected is respected. Every year we kick off, we in our household, we kick off with a 30-day whole, whole challenge. Um, it, it sucks. It's really hard. Right, but we have to elaborate and re- and remember why we're doing the very the various things that we're doing and journal so that we move forward on that side of things. Yeah. Uh, the D and seed stands for declare. You have to say it out loud. Things change inside of us as entrepreneurs when we say the words that we believe. So declaring our thankfulness, declaring what we're looking for, showing it. One thing that I've that I notice when I spend time with entrepreneurs and with people is uh, I want I want to observe how they treat their servers, how they treat the people that are taking care of them. Jim is a mm. prime example of 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 calling somebody out and saying, "I see you, I recognize you, I see value in you, even beyond what you think you are." And I've seen it every single time I've had a meal at a restaurant with him. So the mm. way you declare value in others actually makes a shift in how much value you have in yourself. It's a, it's a mind kind of a thing. Uh, and then the last one is seek, seek opportunities in which you are performing daily acts of who you are. I'm kind, I'm loving, I'm um, beautiful. I'm, you know, all of these things, right? Seek those opportunities to declare and to elaborate and to embark on these challenges and then to uh, sort out all the things that you're um, doing. The, the, the choices are endless. You just have to, put the intentionality into doing it. That's so good. Uh, uh, if I can borrow that to train my team, I <laughs> general rule is I give you credit for the first three times after that, it's mine. Um, <laughs> so yeah. One of the questions that I have, because I know you personally, so I know you've been through challenges, even ongoing challenges over years, but yet you, continue to go back to the seeds and and show gratitude and show love and and have enough energy somehow even to pour into me your friend and so is there any you don't I don't you don't have to get too specific or too personal but is there a time in your business life or even before that kind of formed you to want to strike out on your own that you really went through a challenging time a tough time and what is it that you did during that time to kind of get you through? Because I know a lot of folks, especially me, they say behind every successful entrepreneur is a shocked mother-in-law. I was greeted with no support from my friends or family. And it was tough. My toughest time was the very beginning, almost within a month of deciding and quitting my job and firing my boss on March 24th, 2002. I was immediately greeted with the most, the hugest wave of negativity from my side of the family and my wife's side of the family. And it, I mean, it was as close as I've ever been to quitting. And I used it for fuel, just like they say, the, the, the cheesy analogy, right? You, and, and I made it, but was there a time that you really struggled and how you made it through that, that our listeners could maybe just grab a hold of if they're going through any sort of tough times or. Yeah, sure. I'll tell you one of the biggest struggles that I had was, leaving a particular industry and reinventing myself into a, a new industry. Um, I was an entrepreneur, decided to um, come back into the corporate world, and I was in the corporate space for about eight years. And mm. uh, in an abrupt way, had to had to leave it, right? I was fired. I was It was embarrassing. It was stupid. I, 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 it, was, it was all out of things that were, you know, 
outside of my control. And it just, it made me angry. And, and I had to rebuild a networking, a, a network because all of my efforts and energy for that almost decade was put into this uh, other organization. And something that worked, uh, worked in my favor was I went through a process called a SNAG, Strategic Network Audit Guide. And we commonly underestimate the value of networking and we fail to see the opportunities and the relationships that come through the potential of developing uh, and nurturing that that seed, right? And so if we can imagine an, an impact in where we have a strong strategic network in our both in our personal lives and in our career, then mm-hmm. we don't have to make fear-based decisions. I can call somebody who is not necessarily a mentor, but a mentoring voice, right? I can build that um, environment in which I have various influences and various resources that can aid my development. L- like I said, I'm a product of the process. I've had mm-hmm. to reinvent myself multiple times in a way that uh, is embarrassing at times. It was frustrating because you didn't have somebody you could just call on and say, hey, I just need a job. What I had to do is reinvent who I am and what I'm doing and how I'm moving forward in that process. And uh, that was several years ago now for, for me. And I think I'd have the, the healthiest strategic network uh, that I've ever had now because I've diversified right. it from venture capital groups to um, personal friends that are also business friends and referral networks that we start building a way, a pipeline that goes in and out. And I don't think we can do shared uh, screens on here, but I, I can send it to you. I have a rubric of a top funnel going um, in and then the right. re- the reverse of it would be the referral funnel that, that becomes a what, what looks like an infinite loop of everybody you sell to and everybody you service becomes your best referral back over. And right. thankfully, through a lot of grace, we've gotten to a place of almost a no sales referral process that um, yeah. people enjoy working with us genuinely. And then um, you, you you talk about what you, if you love a restaurant, you're going to tell somebody else to come. Yeah. Well, just well before Kiko wraps us up, Jay, I just want to let you know that I'm super thankful that you're in my life, man. I believe that God brought us together for a reason. And uh, I try to do my best to to fill your love tank because I know I feel a healthy pressure because that's what you do for me and my encouragement tank. And I'm super thankful that uh, you were born and you were in my life, man. So I, I didn't want the day to go by without letting you know how I feel about you and the gratitude I have for you and the nuggets. I mean, I, I got a ton of nuggets from this and, uh, and just your ability to break complex things down into something simple is really inspiring for me. So I, I want to thank you. Hey, thank you. Definitely. Jay, it's been a pleasure. I'm pretty sure that our listeners and, and the people that are actually watching the podcast will enjoy, as Jim said, a lot of these pearls of wisdom that you have given us. So thanks for your gift. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up this episode now and uh, asking our listeners to just keep listening and watching Fire Your Boss. Thanks a lot, you guys. Hey, have a great one.